Well, welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, what is your salary expectation? Today's cast, we talk about another one of the big four questions that recruiters ask. What is your salary expectation? Here we go. I must admit that in my darker hours of management life, this is a question I love to ask folks when I'm interviewing yeah. them. Right? I knew, yeah, yeah, exactly. I knew you were going to say that. I totally knew you were going to say that. Oh, it's great. I mean, yeah. you get the the wide variety of answers you get, and very rarely do you get just a, a direct answer. People you know, dance there, there around. A, yeah, there was a movie a long time ago, and I think one of the lines was, I think it was called Soylent Green, and the line was, "Flame out is the ultimate thrill." And look, if you just, you know, as badly as people do on the salary question, all you need to do is ask it. Not only do they rule themselves out, but they do it in a very bloody accident kind of way. It's not, it's not pretty. I mean, people who actually know the right number then proceed to caveat it 50 billion different ways and, and they spaz. And I mean, young people, I know young people who actually have been told, oh, this is a negotiation. And so whoever gives a number first loses. I mean, bizarrely stupid ideas like that, that have somehow permeated. I mean, people squirm and it's terrible. It's terrible. So I, I could absolutely see you enjoying getting to this question and maybe asking it a little bit earlier than it might be called for just say, well, I'm not sure about this person. Let's watch him flame out. Well, it's a, it's a great elimination question, right? The folks that are really bad, the kind of junior candidates, they just sit there and pause for a moment or two, and then they just start squirming. And then they name some number that is incredibly high, which just suggests that they have no idea what the role calls for and what the, what the ranges out there are. Right. And then then you got the folks in the middle somewhere where they name a number, but then immediately caveat it, afraid to miss out on this on a big opportunity in terms of salary. And they do because they mess up the answer. (laughs) And then you got the senior candidates who most likely get it right. Right. They name they name a number and they do it confidently. And then they they caveat it, but they don't sound desperate when they're doing it. Right. Right. Because they know at that point that they're, you know, even ones who may be out of work and maybe worried. They they know that it's not about money. And and so the purpose of this cast is to help folks understand why senior people get it right, um, partially because of their experience, to share them what they know, share with them what the senior people know, and um, and help you sound good the way you should when you're answering this question. Exactly. And we got four things we're going to talk about. The first one we got to talk about is, you know, don't play games. This isn't a game, yeah. right? There's a right, right way to answer. We're going to talk about, about right. that, but we're not going to play games with folks. Um, secondly, we're going to talk about knowing the appropriate range. It's easy to figure out and we'll right. talk about how you do that, but you certainly yep. should know what the, the low and high ranges are, the salary for the position you're interviewing. And then number three, we're going to say, just state your, your needs, right? Just state it. Yeah. And then right. number four, we're going to suggest there is a caveat. You can caveat and should caveat it, but there's a right way to do it. And so we're going to talk about yeah. that. The theme of this cast that Wendy, our career tools person has written for us that she and I basically channel each other half the time when it comes to career stuff, it goes to that fundamental issue of going into interviewing from a place of fear, right? If you have fear, if you're going in and and, and the whole black box of interviewing causes that to be so, people just don't know what's happening and they know there's high risk. And if you don't know what the rules are and it's high risk, fear is 
almost a reasonable emotion, right? But if you have fear, you're careful, you believe anything that, a lot, that, that supports a worldview of I don't know and so I'm not going to say, or you state a number and then immediately, immediately crumble in front of the, the fear that you're overstating or understating. Right. Okay. So, so, so yeah. Four points we're going to talk about to the question, what is your salary expectation? First one being, don't play games, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, now, look, we're not saying every single conversation where salary comes up. If you if you've been interviewed by ten people and uh, the senior VP somebody told you it's the end of your day of interviewing, you've already been you've already done a phone interview, you've done uh, application and everything, and you're, you're at the final step, and somebody says, "Tell me what your salary expectations are." It's different at that point, uh, but fundamentally, we're really in this cast just talking about initial conversations with recruiters. Uh, ex- we're talking about external. When we say recruiters, we usually mean external recruiters and then internal corporate people uh, early on in the process. First contact is really what we're talking about here. First contact you've had with them, perhaps, you know, you've posted your resume to a job board or an agency website, a corporate career site, whatever the case might be. And there's just, you know, when it comes to playing games, there are a couple of common thought patterns which candidates have. And look, folks, we're sensitive to this. We know uh, that feeling, uh, we had it ourselves early in our career, and fortunately, we're blessed to have people coach us a little bit on it. And so we respect the, the feelings that you have, and we're going to try to give you the information to help you overcome that. And we don't want you to draw the wrong conclusion because of your misapprehensions about things. And then, and then of course, you get the wrong conclusion, you take the wrong action, and there is risk, and, and, it, and it hurts. So um, the first thing is candidates act coy because they think giving a number is the initial parlay in a negotiation. Right. They've heard, yeah, they've heard, everybody's heard. Yeah. You shouldn't go first, right. In a negotiation. Yeah. This is a fascinating one to me. This is not a negotiation. I remember when I first heard it, I believed it because I was reading it or there was some source that said, you know, that I I don't want to say it was a book that was very popular. It it, it might, it very well might've been what colors your parachute or something or, or some interviewing books is, Oh, don't mention it because it's all a negotiation. I mean, folks, first of all, let's just suggest this for, for most mid to larger companies, they have a range. Um, Yeah. There are people who can finagle with the range a little bit, um, but they have a range and there are plenty of people trying to fill positions. Remember recruiters don't, place people, they fill positions. There are plenty of people who know that the political capital required to get somebody outside of the range is enormous. So they have a range. They're limited in the range. And the range is not 25,000 pounds to 100,000 pounds for, for those of you in Britain. It, it just It's not that big. And so for some reason, whatever, people people believe it's a negotiation. And it's just not. And I'll, I'll give you the the best when people talk to me about, well, I've heard I should negotiate. And I would say, nope, nope, nope. And there are people that, right? There are people, you've seen me talk to people. And I said, well, I'm sorry, I can't help you because they're asking me to help them negotiate. And I said, well, no, I'm not going to help you. And they say, well, why not? I, you know, I think I can get more money. I said, maybe you can, but that's not our recommendation. We don't believe it's a negotiation. Now, there are some cases for more senior people where it is a negotiation, but often that becomes, you know, uh, 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 lawyers get involved and contracts are involved and so on. But regardless, the reason it's not a negotiation is simply this. If Mike and I are in a negotiation and he says to me, well, I can do more here, for instance, the, the, the assumption, the fundamental assumption of a negotiation can be best described as give and take, right? You give a little bit and then I give you a little bit, which you are allowed to take. I give, you take, you give, I take. And 
no one likes negotiation where they continue to give and give and give and give and the other person doesn't give back, right? And that's really not a negotiation. That's just acquiescence. Well, after you've been interviewing or, or if you're interviewing early on and somebody says what your salary expectations is and you, you believe that you should negotiate, first of all, if it's early on, what are you going to negotiate with? What is salary? Salary rep represents the company's belief in your value to the organization, right? Uh, a, a cost that the company incurs in order for them to produce a profit in the aggregate. Well, are you suggesting that in negotiation for more money, you're going to offer more of your services? Are you suggesting that if we pay you 85 as opposed to 90, you're going to give them 85% or you're going to give us 95% of your true 100%? Are you saying that the last 5% of your abilities are for sale for the last 5% of the salary range? It's simply not a negotiation. It isn't. There is no power on your side of the fence other than to say, I'm, I'm not going to come to work there. And you, you either withhold all of your skills or we assume as a professional, you give all of your skills to them. And so it, it's literally, this is a very bad mentality to have. Now, I will say a lot of young people today, the millennials, the, the, um, the Gen Ys are saying, well, you know, loyalty is dead. And so I should, I should, of course, you know, get what I want to get. Okay, fine. Um, if you believe you're on a par with the company who's going to offer you, if you believe you can negotiate and you're going to ask and ask and ask, that one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to take all the goodwill off the table, and there's a long, we could have a long discussion about that some other time, or you're not going to get the offer. Or what you'll get is so minor, and then you will be mistakenly led to believe that every salary discussion is a negotiation. And at some point, you're going to ask for $5,000 more, and somebody is going to say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. And they're going to withdraw the offer. And then for the want of a nail, the king, your kingdom will be lost. So negotiation, it is not. Argue with it if you want, and that's okay. We, there are lots of different views out there. We believe the ones about negotiation are wrong. And if somebody tells you don't say a number first, it's because they're approaching it as a negotiation. It's a fundamentally flawed concept to apply to an interviewing or recruiting situation with, with any corporation today. I agree with you. I think that's part of it. And, and I think there's also another point where folks are hesitant to give a number now because once they give it, they're somehow they believe that they're obliged to stick to it regardless right. of the final role. And that's not true. Yeah, right. Look, look, it's not. Once you've met the hiring managers, once you've found out about the role, once you've discussed the benefits, and look, everybody always talks about salary, but benefits are enormously different at, at different organizations. And you might very well state a number of X, and then after seeing the benefits, say, to tell you the truth, in one company, you could say, to tell you the truth, based on these benefits, based on my analysis of the market and so on, these benefits are notably less, and so I'd like there to be more cash on the table. I mean, you could have that discussion later on, or by the other hand, you could, you could say these benefits are incredible. I didn't realize I'd be getting three weeks of vacation and so on, and, and that's worth cash to me. So so if it helps you to pay me a little bit less, uh, my original number would change. I mean, that's that's completely reasonable. So, And you've been offered the job. You can say, now I have all the information. I think my value in the role is X pounds or X dollars or X francs or whatever, or X euros, right? You could also say, this is a great opportunity to, for me to do something really worthwhile. I know my initial number was higher than you wanted to pay. I'm willing to do this role for $10,000 less. Those are all completely reasonable things once you have the offer, because of course, discussing salary as a negotiation before you have the offer, going back to an earlier point about it's not a negotiation, is simply crazy because there is nothing to negotiate. You're essentially proffering your services, but they're not proffering an offer back. And so there's no 
you have no common ground. There's no table upon which to exchange goodwill, if you will, early on in the, the situation. What do you have to say about the concern about stating a number where an individual is concerned that if they state the number, they've essentially priced themselves out of the out of the job? Um, yeah, look, it's a real fear. Look, we don't, you know, sometimes I, I get very excited about this stuff because I want people to understand how how wrong some of the assumptions and, and input people have been given are. And we don't want to just say, well, you might want to consider this because it sure seems like when people get get interviewed for media um, discussions about careers and so on, they, they are all excited about it. I think there was a recent article about how crazy people will get in order to get a job and whether it works or not. So we, we feel strongly about this, but look, we respect the, your fear about giving a number and pricing yourself out of a job. It's, it, it's a reasonable fear, right? I just have to say, though, there are lots of reasonable fears, right? It's, it's, it's dangerous to do various things. And yet, if you do it 100 times and it doesn't happen, then okay, maybe the fear is not so reasonable. And we just don't see that often that some young person or even some mid-level person prices himself out of a job. We just don't see it all that often. But then there's some other things too. And this may be hard for some folks to hear, but look, if you followed our guidance on having at least six months of your expenses saved, you're less likely of having to be in the position to accept anything, right? Look, being in that position is bad for three reasons. One, it's bad for your self-esteem, that that sense of fear of, you know, I can't pay my bills and I have to take care of my family. Two, it looks bad on your resume. And frankly, three, recruiters know you're just accepting two because you need a job. And that you'll move on to something better as soon as you can find it, which of course is not something that motivates recruiters terribly much. So what we find is the number is too low a number or too high a number. Those fears are really unnecessary relative to the fact that early on, um, if you know your stuff, which we'll talk about, you're probably going to be fine. And it's not a negotiation. And so it's okay to be a little bit wrong. And there will be a discussion at some point. Now, look, if somebody offers you too much uh, or offers you too little, sorry, if they offer you too much, feel free to take it. But if they offer you too little, say no. Uh, if it's beneath you for some reason, say no. And uh, there's no requirement to take an offer, even if the offer purportedly meets all of your requirements. You could still say, no, I just don't feel right about it. The point here is early on at this point, all the recruiter needs to know is that you're in the same ballpark. Not, not that you'd have the same exact number, but you're in the same ballpark. I think we mentioned before about recruiters working either horizontal and or vertical desks, and they're sometimes limited to a certain range. If you're a $100,000 candidate and they only work a desk of $50,000, they aren't going to be able to help you, and and they probably won't be talking to you. Uh, and they can look at your resume and have a good sense of roughly what you've been paying, because if they know something about the industry and they know something about maybe not your job title, but your responsibilities and your skills, they're going to say, okay, I have a pretty good sense of this person is here. Now, if you state a number twice that and you think you're worth twice that when, in fact, you've only been paid half of that, then that may come into a question of how smart is this person? And generally speaking, younger people tend to be wilder about that. But it doesn't matter. Early on, don't worry about it. Yeah, well, it's even simpler. Recruiters, contrary to general perceptions, are actually people and they they like to work with people that are realistic. And if somebody has unrealistic expectations... They're just really hard to work with. And so if you're unrealistic, they don't want to work with you. Yeah. The bottom line is, as you say, being coy doesn't help. Acting as if it's a negotiation or saying, well, I'd really rather wait or let me find out more about the job and so on. Any, any 
pause on our part, if we're being interviewed, to not give a number, will be perceived as coy and regardless of the rationale, will hurt you. And, and even if you're clever about it, there is nothing about not stating a number that will be perceived as a strength. Uh, you're not perceived as a steely-eyed negotiator. You're not perceived as not giving away something early on. Uh, we just want to know we're in the ballpark. And 99% of the time, you're going to be in the ballpark. Right. Well, if you're smart about it, right? I mean, you just can't go in there and flip some numbers in the air without doing some research. So you, you have to know right. the appropriate range of the position you're interviewing right. for. Yeah. And one more thing. You, you made the point about them liking you. Recruiters are making all kinds of calls, internal recruiters, external recruiters. If you annoy them, <laughs> it doesn't help. And and sometimes you never get to answer this question because they leave three messages on your cell phone over the course of a 36-hour period and you don't respond. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, I'm the recruiter's annoyed already. So um, you, you have very little chance to mess up once you've annoyed them by not returning their calls promptly, regardless of the reason. Um, and so if you're coy on this one after annoying them earlier, you're done. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So you, you mentioned range, right? Right. Look, the first thing you do when you're doing a job search is you update your resume. Even if your job search is passive, you update your resume. And of course, if you're following our resume guidance, once a quarter, you sit down for half an hour and you update your resume. It's really easy once you start that process rather than dreading it and saying, oh, I don't have a resume. Oh, I don't know how to write it. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And once you get it updated, and I assume in the last year, many people who are listening to this have updated their resume. If they've done, if you've done so, just put a note in your calendar once a quarter, sit down with it and say, okay, what have I done in the last quarter? What should I add to my, my core document that I will then use later to um, narrow down to a one pager? The second thing we do is market research. Before we post our resume, before we send it to a recruiter, before we've told anyone we're looking, we need to know what we're looking for and what the range of that job is, right? The secret to answering the first two questions in this series, what's your situation, right? And what are you looking for? Was being absolutely clear about your situation, knowing what you were looking for and being able to express it clearly and precisely, right? Frankly, if you get to the salary question, you're still talking that you're, you're in the ballpark, right? This question isn't any different. Your, your salary expectations are no different. In order to do that, we need to do our research. Now, I want to mention one thing very, very quickly. Uh, this question is, you know, what are your salary expectations? It's completely reasonable for you, if you're looking for another job like the one you're doing, to state your present salary as a salary expectation, assuming you've done some research. It may be that the market has changed or something. But I want to be cautious that a lot of times when we talk salary because people have fears and because they're not certain, a lot of times people get confused about salary. They hear the word salary and they kind of get jumbled in their head and they forget there's a completely different question between what is your present compensation and what are your salary expectations? Your salary expectations are based on your market research. It may, in fact, be a range, and it may be different depending upon the company and the job and the location and so on. That's normal, okay? That that is, it's research-based and based on your background and so on. Your current salary is something very different, okay? That is an actual number, okay? And that's a completely reasonable question, although it probably wouldn't happen early on here. 
Notice the question here is, what are your salary expectations? It's fine to say my salary expectations are X and X is your present salary. That's fine. We're not saying that's wrong as long as you validate it with uh, market research. Because again, the market may have passed you by or changed in the last couple of years. But please be cautious. Not all salary questions are treated the same. This is an early in the process salary question about what are your expectations, not what are you presently making. Good. So so how hard is it these days to determine the range um, fairly accurately compared to, yeah. say, say, 15 years ago? There's no excuse for not knowing it. Um, none. Uh, there are too many uh, resources that are that are out there. And and look, let, let's just start with easy. Log on to one of the big job boards, Monster or Career Builder are the two that are easy, or a job board aggregator like Indeed. Search for your desired job title. And and look, job titles are are different. You know, there's 20 to 30% difference in most cases and perhaps as many as much as 100% difference in some cases. Search for your desired job title and your geographic area. Write down the company, their area they're in, and the salary they're offered. Now, look, here's a critical point, okay? We're doing research right now. Don't think, oh, 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 I'm here already. I'll apply. You're going to get distracted, and you don't know what to say if somebody calls. This is what we're recommending is two hours of research as an exercise to build your case for how to answer the question, what are your shower expectations? And, and look, you know, one of the ways to overcome fear, which is one of the motivations that cause people to go wrong in this question, is to work. Work drives out fear, okay? And if you're working, if you're willing to put two hours into this, then you're going to be fine. If you're not willing to put two hours into salary market research with places we'll tell you to go, then probably you're not ready for the kind of uh, positions. If, if you're thinking, I want to have a long career and, and, and have a shot at senior positions and so on, but you're not willing to spend two hours doing some market research in order to handle just this one question. And of course, you're going to learn a lot more than just this one question when you do this research, then probably you ought to do a quick double take on where you are in terms of where your head is. Well, yeah. Anybody who's listened to our interviewing series knows that if you're looking for a job and you want something that, that fits you and pays well, it is a job. Finding a job is a job and you have to take it seriously. And if you're not willing yeah. to put in two hours, then just stop right there. So again, monster or career builder, you do, you, you search for your job, job title, your geographic area. Then, so, so you spend a couple hours doing that. Then go to one of the niche boards in your geography and or your sector. Virtually every sector has a niche board. Okay. Uh, it might be oilcareers.com. It might be houstonjobs.com. And again, you write the same things down, right? Write down the company, the area they're in and the salary that's offered. Pretty simple. And then the third thing we do, we look for salary surveys in the particular industry we're in. Recruitment companies often produce them as a service to clients, but they are freely available on the web. There's websites like salary.com, payscale.com, benchmarkmypay.com, which rely on crowdsourcing, right? Which is essentially aggregating all kinds of data rather than getting it from the companies. They essentially use people who have offered, been offered the job and they give de salary details for roles and geographies. I've done this firsthand when I helped my daughter, Kate, uh, when we came to the salary question, this is what we did. We followed this process and, and it works like a charm. And the great thing is if you're, I just want to mention it here again about fear versus versus confidence and, and the work leading to confidence, work leading, driving out fear. If you nail this question and you're confident about it, as opposed to so many people not nailing it, 
you have two things. One, you get to the next step and you have a better chance to get an offer. But what's more, that confidence drives you to be better during the rest of the interview. You can handle this question fairly effortlessly. Oh, sure, there's a little bit of trepidation, but you've done your research, you know what you're doing, and you say, I'm confident this is what I'm worth because that's what the market says I'm worth. You say it, the company not only hears the right number, they hear it delivered confidently, and that helps you and it helps their perception of you. Both things. It helps you and it helps their perception of you in the interview which increases the chance that when you get done, they will think not only is she or he right for the job, but man, was he confident, sharp, and prepared. That's worth a couple of thousand dollars in most offers for me. For if you're a fresh college graduate or above, it's worth a thousand or two thousand dollars if you hit the nail on the head. And it's little questions like this that make the difference. And it takes a couple hours to get it right. Yeah. And it's very easy to quickly gain an understanding of the market's value of a particular job and by title and in your geography. We just talked about that. and. We probably have to mention here that if you're looking at a number of different job titles, then make sure you have a range for each of them. Just don't bracket them all together. Right. That's it. I mean, you've done the research and then you have to trust that you've done some good research in your locale, in in your industry for the job title you're looking for. It's out there, folks. And and once you do it, you're going to have a range. And then that's the range. Now, look, the range can't be $80,000 between top and bottom. It can't. You probably want to throw them out. In fact, you might want to make a little quick graph or, or write them all down and say, boy, I've got an outlier here. I've got, I've got a 150. I've got a 90, I've got an 87, I got a 94, I got an 83, I got an 85, I got 285s, I got 385s, and I got a 41. Look, you got to throw out the 150 and the 41. Okay? Those are outliers. And then you've got your range right there. Yeah, good. Okay. Now now we get to the easiest and hardest part of the cast, which is Yeah, exactly. Yeah, simply state it, right? Yeah. Yeah, all you need to do is state the number. Well, shoot, we could have ended the podcast like 20 minutes ago. That's yeah, it. this is where, you know, sometimes I think, boy, I need to write an article and send it out to everybody about why we're long sometimes. Because again, curveballs happen and we want you to understand the background. We want to be actionable, but we also want you to understand the background too. Um, the problem is we've heard candidates sound embarrassed or unsure or, or frankly brazen or even confrontational when they state a number. It's amazing. They believe that you shouldn't give a number, but then at the last minute somebody tells them they should. And so they say, well, I'm going to give you a number because I told I have to, but frankly, I know this is a negotiation and I'm losing by giving you this number. So therefore I'm going to give the number or people say things like, I've actually had people say to me, well, I, I really believe salary is private, but since you've asked, let me give you a number. Hey, look folks. Salary is not private between you and your employer. It's not. They know what the the salary is. And so do you. Look, it's just a number. It's your value in the marketplace. And and you know what? Here's the key. It's your value in the marketplace. And you know, it's your value in the marketplace because you did your research. If you're right, and, and the beauty of that is you will be with a couple of hours of research, the recruiter will not be surprised and quietly relieved, and this goes to that issue of their perception of your confidence, quietly really relieved that you are a realistic, and here's a, a, a great phrase that Wendy uses, a serious candidate, right? Everyone is serious about their job search, but you become a serious candidate to a recruiter when you have done your homework and you have delivered your homework professionally and credibly in the interview. Yeah. Look, and if you're nervous, just, you know, get in front of a mirror and practice it a few times. Yeah. And, and, and look, here's how it sounds, right? I'm looking at roles in the 30 to 40,000 range, or my research shows that the roles I'm moving into in this industry pay around 25,000 pounds a year, or I'm looking for a package of 100 to 130 K, right? That's fine. Right. And notice 
The words are the least important part. The research you did that you're standing on allows you to stand with confidence and the confidence and the research are far more important than the actual number. If you give a number that is right, but you say, well, you know, I'm a little bit concerned. I don't, I certainly don't want to price myself out of the market. On the other hand, you know, clearly I don't want to be way under and I'd love to know more. So, so if you could give me a guidance, that'd be great. But I think right now under the circumstances, based on what I've been told and so on, probably about a hundred might be good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the examples you gave, I mean, notice how naked they are, right? You didn't have two yeah. or three paragraphs with the number somehow embedded in there, like a needle in a haystack. Yeah. You just got in it fact, right out there. I'll give you a good example. When I was a recruiter early on, we used to ask candidates to evaluate themselves on a scale of one to 10 in a series of things, interpersonal skills, mechanical ability, numerical ability, and so on, just to get a rough sense, right? And um, uh, so I asked on a scale of one to 10, 10 high, five average, one low, how would you describe your mechanical ability? This was when engineers, you know, building things, uh, designing things, uh, putting things together, making sure they work, making sure they work well. Uh, 10 high, five average, one low. He says, well, Mark, I think I'm probably about a six or a seven. So listen to the caveats. I think I'm probably about, and then he gives me two numbers, a six or a seven. I mean, there's four caveats and two numbers. There's more caveats than there are numbers. You want to say, should I write down a 6.5? Should I write down six or seven with no confidence, which I'd much rather have three with lots of confidence. Or should I write down don't hire? (laughs) Yeah, don't hire. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually write that down. I'm just very polite and then say no later. Good. So the words are the least important part. Your, your, Your phrase, right, Mike, naked. Exactly right. Just say it. And that confidence that you get from your research allows you to deliver a naked number and be fine with it. Okay, now we're going to confuse folks here because we're going to say you can still use a caveat and you may want to. So let's talk about that because we don't want folks to walk away with the wrong impression in terms of the kind of caveat we're talking about. But if folks have been listening to the last couple of casts in this string, right, I think they've gotten the theme. It's okay to be confident. I have a friend, a former friend who worked at Bain, and he, he there was a, a thing at Bain Consulting which says, uh, um, be aware of the 1% and the 1% possibility that you could be wrong when you're thinking about working for a client. Uh, you know, there are a series of ads, I think, that Accenture does for for their business, and they have ty- pictures of Tiger Woods. And there's one where he has a plan and he has a backup plan, right? And the fact is there's enough lack of transparency here that is completely realistic to say, here's what I think I'm right for. But frankly, you didn't know me before today. I don't know everything about your company. You may not call it the job that I'm talking about, but you may find me a perfect job in some other area. If you'd have told me when I was a lieutenant in the artillery that I would become a management consultant and a podcaster, I'd have said, no way. How how would I get there? Well, you get there by steps, but sometimes there are discontinuities and we need to make ourselves available to the possibility of discontinuities that come about because of the lack of transparency with an individual talking to a medium to a large size organization. What we want you to do here then is that you state, after you state your, your salary expectations in much the same way that you talk about what are you looking for and your location preference, you say you would consider exceptional opportunities which didn't fall in that range or that perhaps add other benefits. You're essentially saying, yes, this is what I want and I'm open to other things, right? And, and if you're not open to other things and then for some reason you fall out of the range, then you're not going to get hired right? And maybe you fall outside the range on the high side. 
But if you're not open to it, if you don't tell us that, then okay, fine. You may may say no to it. Now, it may be a different job. We may want to use your skills a different way, but would you say no if you knew that? I mean, the story I always tell is the, the person who wanted to go, really wanted a job in, in I think it was Cincinnati, and uh, turned down a job with Procter & Gamble in Atlanta because he really wanted to go to Cincinnati. And of course, two years later, after getting a job in Cincinnati, ended up moving to Atlanta as opposed to taking a job with Procter in Atlanta and then two years later moving to the headquarters in Cincinnati. Look, right now, you might not be able to imagine working for less than you're on now, okay? Uh, and yet, uh, thousands of people that I've known over the years have been quite candid that, yep, I didn't think I could do it. I thought I absolutely had to make that. And yet, uh, the, the, the recession has caused people to reassess and they've cut back on all kinds of things, uh, on Starbucks and and all kinds of choices we make day to day in our lives that we take for granted. And frankly, we discover that for the right job, taking a little bit less or even a lot less can be just fine. It actually works just fine. Maybe you can't imagine it, but if the company offered you your dream job in your dream location for $500 a year less, or even let's say $5,000 a year less, would you not be willing to consider it? At least put it in the hopper and consider it. Sure. You would. If you're, if you're intelligent, you would. You know, would you give up 4,000 pounds in benefits for flex, in terms of flexible working so you can pick your kids up from school every day? I, I can tell you, I do that with Drake when I'm here on the days that I have Drake. And it is, it is a godsend for me. It's a really important part of my psychological health. You know, what about, what about an onsite kindergarten? You know, there, there are many, many companies in the world that are doing more of those kinds of things. Would you take $20,000 less if you didn't have to travel every week? You know, those kind of things are all part of where numbers and cash, which are often reflected with bright lines on balance sheets and in spreadsheets, suddenly become more fungible because the cash is essentially funding our quality of life. Would a little bit less cash, but it put in a different way, cause us to get a, to get more quality of life? It's entirely possible. It depends on how you live your life. And you can't know that until you hear what the offer is. And you may not get the offer if you don't say but I'm open to consider an exceptional opportunity somewhere else. So right now you don't know what the options are outside of that base salary. Every company is subtly different. Yeah, there's some general rules about base plus maybe bonus and commission, although that may not be true in your in, in your field, but there are all kinds of, uh, of you know incentive compensation today, much more so than there used to be. You need to remain flexible both in your own mind and stating so when giving numbers to the recruiter. So at the end, it's very simple. You say, of course, I'm flexible on that, depending upon the opportunity and other benefits. And folks, if you're thinking that you don't want to be flexible, okay, that's fine. You probably won't get hired if you're not a flexible person, okay? Let's assume for a moment you don't know whether you're flexible or not, and you decide, well, I'm hearing from smart people that, in fact, that may be a good thing. Uh, we're going to suggest if you don't say you're flexible, we'll assume you're not. And if you say you're flexible, even if it turns out you turn down uh, something, it doesn't mean that you're you're proving that you are not flexible. It means that you've learned more in the process. Remember, we we're talking early in the process now. You've learned more in the process that causes you to say, I won't take $20,000 more from this company because it's not a fit and I don't like my boss and I don't like the team and I don't like where this company is going. Those are all reasonable reasons to say no. And if, you're fle if you say you're flexible early but choose to say no later, you're not tying yourself into anything. And saying you're flexible is something the recruiter wants to hear. It proves you are a serious candidate because they need to know 
as they learn more about you and as the company learns more about you, there may be twists and turns we don't know about. And it's far better to stay a little bit loose early on, state the number, and then say, of course, I'm flexible. Yeah. Well, look, the answers to all these questions have been incredibly simple, right? This stuff is not hard at all. But Mark and I have seen candidates get them wrong every single day, every single week, right? Because they think there's something going on that's not. Right. Hopefully, we've explained what's really going on here, and that will help the members understand what they're doing wrong and how to rectify it. Yeah. And look, we respect that you've been given other guidance. We're not going to tell you um, they're wrong. We're just going to tell you we know from talking to hundreds of recruiters all the time, from recruiting ourselves, from interviewing thousands of people, maybe even tens. Yeah, it's tens of thousands between Wendy and you and I and Maggie as well. The fact is, this is the way serious candidates do it. Yeah. Don't play games. Know the range. State the range. And then use that caveat. Excellent. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. So long. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you all back here again next week. In the meantime, join us on the discussion forums, www.managertools.com. See you there, folks. So long.